Lisboa, Bruxelas, Varsóvia. Europe is us with Dino. Europe is us, but who are we? Stay with us and you'll find out. I'm Dino, a Slovenian journalist working at Euronet Plus, a radio network bringing you this podcast. Today's topic, artificial intelligence. Today's guest, Alessandro Ciocciola, a PhD student in electrical, electronics and communications engineering at Politecnico di Torino in Italy and chief technical officer at Occupy AI. Alessandro, we are glad to have you here with us. Please tell us more about yourself. Okay, so uh, my name is uh, Alessandro Ciociola. I'm a chief technical officer at Occupy AI, uh, which is a startup uh, dealing with uh, artificial intelligence, education and product development. Uh, I have a background in uh, academia, so I come from the world of research, still in uh, data science and artificial intelligence, uh, particularly applied to uh, urban mobility and uh, mobility intelligence in general. And so uh, we are a young company. We exist since uh, uh, not even uh, two years. We Our birthday is on the 15th of December, if you want to <laughs> make us some wishes. And um, what we are uh, working on uh, is mainly on uh, developing product, product in um, artificial intelligence education and helping um, experts of different business domain in uh, using data science and artificial intelligence for their business and their sector of application. You are a personification of the collaboration between the academical world and the business sector. How important is the cooperation between the two in this field? Uh, uh, I believe this uh, cooperation uh, is not only useful, but is essential uh, for a very simple reason that uh, this, uh, this field uh, is quite new, it's quite young. Then we can discuss about is uh, more ancient truths, but uh, its actual application is quite, uh, is quite young. And uh, due to this, there are uh, many uncertainties in the way how uh, products are uh, created and developed, as well as uh, in the way how they are deployed actually on the society. So um, in this uh, gray area, I think it's uh, very, very important that there is a communication between who is doing the, uh, let me say, more creative uh, work. Uh, so the more, uh, let's say, innovative work, which is, of course, on the side of uh, research and academia. Uh, but uh, on the other side, uh, it's needed that this uh, uh, creative work is translated into um, actual feasible operation in, uh, in our real world. Uh, so uh, I believe, I repeat, I believe this is uh, completely essential and creating a direct communication and uh, a continuous um, network between these two um, parts of society is completely one of the uh, key uh, aspects to let this uh, um, uh, be deployed in a very like productive way and uh, in particular having in mind all the ethical aspects and the impact that this technology may have on society itself. Thank you very much, Alessandro. In our next regular section, the Watchdog's Perspective, we look at different topics from the perspective of a journalist. Let's jump from my home Slovenia to Poland. Today's comment was prepared by Artur Panasiuk from Polski Radio, a member of the Euronet Plus network. Poland ranks 7th in the European Union in terms of the number of experts working on the development or implementation of artificial intelligence and, at the same time, first in the region of Central and Eastern Europe. 
According to Polish government, the effective implementation of AI-based solutions in the state economy may increase the GDP growth dynamics by 2.65% annually. Growth driven by artificial intelligence is the goal of the AI development policy adopted by Polish authorities. Chatbots, speech recognition applications or robots helping customers in shopping, these are just a few of examples of the use of artificial intelligence in Poland. The report called Artificial Intelligence in Society and Economy shows that Most polls expect that AI will improve quality of life, increase the level of cybersecurity, reduce the number of accidents at work, as well as increase the level of personalization of products and services. Needless to say that artificial intelligence brings with it a huge number of opportunities, but also threats. Its functioning raises many questions, not only technological, but also those relating to ethical and legal aspects. We are leaving Poland now and going back to Italy and Alessandro. When we talk about artificial intelligence, safety is one of the first words that come to my mind. What are some safety risks that you came across while working in this field? So, um, for which concerns the uh, the mobility aspects, uh, I see um, the the, cl- the classic, uh, uh, let's say, example um, nowadays to depict all the possible uh, challenges that may arise uh, in using uh, artificial intelligence, intelligence in mobility and in automotive in general. Uh, comes, for example, from autonomous vehicles. So it's uh, uh, it's quite a famous this uh, uh, dilemma uh, of whether uh, there is this uh, this story uh, that is um, like um, uh, told as a kind of um, contradiction, as a kind of paradox. So uh, what if we are an autonomous vehicle and uh, uh, we arrive to a solution, a, a situation in which either we hit a, uh, an old person or we hit a child we don't have any choice different from this true okay so of course it's a, a paradoxical situation so we, we need as a as an autonomous vehicle so as a artificial intelligence as a uh, digital consciousness as you want to call it we have to decide what to do in this in that case what do we actually do <laughs> so uh, this is a um, one first sphere of uh, of concerns that I will put under the uh, the hat of the ethical dilemmas okay so there is a, a big uh, sphere of uh, contradiction and dilemmas in ai that comes from taking at uh, decisions ethical decision or decisions that may have an ethical impact as a machine okay this recalls very much um i would say also the the word uh, uh depicted by isaac asimov uh, in the 60s 70s which was a real prophet about that so how do we let actually interact our um, principles as human beings with the way of reasoning that machines have which is very you know deterministic it, it can seem very cold if we just should decide between killing two different persons for example in this case So this is the first, uh, um, let's say, category that I will put. It's very, very difficult to define uh, ethical uh, rules because ethics, by definition, is a gray area where you don't have exact answers. Uh, On the other side, I would also uh, point out the risk from a uh, cybersecurity point of view, because if we think to uh, uh, if you think about the situation in which we have uh, vehicles which are um, highly uh, digitalized, they are uh, telematic unit they may be autonomous they may be connected among vehicles 
And then we think about an infrastructure in the city, uh, which has to manage all the data uh, coming from the different vehicles. And uh, this kind of situation, we, we, we can see that there, that there may be a lot of possible uh, direction of attacks. Okay, so if we think to a very dystopic scenario, which is, prob which is probably also not very close uh, in the future, where a, a potential cracker may take the control of a vehicle and let, let it move where it wants with a person maybe locked inside. Okay, this is a very, I repeat, dystopic scenario, but it's something that it's kind of possible technically even today. Let's meet you personally, Alessandro. What's your favorite memory? I would say like from an like individual viewpoint, I would say that uh, uh, my, the experience that I, that I remember with the most uh, emotion uh, is a, a trip that I had uh, alone. Uh, I love to travel alone when I can. Uh, it was in um, it, it was actually in the same uh, scope of uh, the conference that you mentioned before in uh, uh, IEEE smart cities. Uh, so it was this, this travel between uh, California and uh, uh, Mexico, like the uh, Baja California Norte, uh, the region of Mexico, which is actually bordering with uh, with California. And for me, it's a very emotional memory because uh, I was able to see um, first two realities which are very different from mine for many aspects but also seeing the two realities in the same trip, and especially this is uh, concentrated in the uh, differences between the city of San Diego and the city of Tijuana, which are basically <laughs> the same city, but separated by a border and drastically different cities, was really, for me, uh, like a, a, an open door to starting to understand the, the complexity of the world. Not understand, but starting to understand how much complex is the diversity in the world. And this is this was super important for me, for my personal growth. So I also encourage a lot to, to travel alone. And uh, if you are able, travel far sometimes. <laughs> and what is your worst fear? Uh, living in a context which does not allow to uh, express freely and where like uh, uh, people are scared of just being what they are, whatever they are. Uh, I know it, it may sound a bit uh, idealistic. I can tell you fear, which are <laughs> much more uh, like a low level, like just fear of uh, of dying or these things. But uh, if I try to find a compromise between the the let's say more natural and primitive fears and the ones more related to our uh, society i'm i'm scared we go into this uh, surveillance state mode in which uh, we have to be scared of everything and uh, uh, in particular of being ourselves yes that that scares me a lot what is your biggest wish my biggest wish is that uh, um we start to really <laughs> cooperate on international level to uh, associate uh, uh, different priorities uh, than the one that we are using right now at the global level between countries. So I would really love to, uh, to see uh, that uh, uh, climate change in particular, but also like uh, uh, the, our economic system, uh, I would take that. I would like that climate change is taken seriously because now it's clearly not taken seriously by uh, the global network of countries, in my opinion. And at the same time, I would like to uh, that we are able to discuss and rediscuss and put into discussion. Sorry for underlining our economic system because 
our economic system may be one of the main reasons why uh, we are seeing uh, a lot of uh, bad events recently, and not only uh, climate-wide, uh, but of course also uh, wars uh, and uh, poverty and inequalities. So I would really love to see in my <laughs> life uh, that this is really taken into discussion. It's time for the Voice of Gen Z, our regular section in which we present voices from all over Europe. This time we talked to Blas Zupan, head of the Bioinformatics Laboratory at Slovenia's Faculty of Computer Science and Informatics. We asked him how the state is ensuring safe use of AI among young people. I know that the country is trying to work on various standards that are being created in the European community, but this has not actually been taken care of. If that were the case, we could learn a lot about artificial intelligence in school, but that is still something we will have to do. We are lagging behind development here. Back to Italy and Alessandro. You attended the IEEE Smart Cities Innovation Conference in San Francisco. How developed is AI in Europe in comparison to the US? For example, in Europe we have a, um, for sure a, a much more attention to the um, um, to the idea of the, the privacy of data of an individual. This is something that in Europe uh, is very, very important and is central in uh, regulation and is central in education and is central in uh, governance. Uh, we, we can think uh, like the GDPR is a, is a very clear example of that, but now we can also uh, think about the Artificial Intelligence Act that the European Union is, uh, uh, is releasing. Uh, so I would say that. Uh, there are generally less frictions in the US for letting this technology enter the society. And you can see it just by going there. Of course, you see, you can already see in some zones these technologies working, running. Okay. And this is something that in many parts of Europe is not yet possible to see. But at the same time, innovation is not only, uh, let's say, technical advancement. So I, I really believe that the European Union. Uh, can be an uh, absolute global leader in innovating, innovating through the um, interaction between the technical aspects of this technology and all the societal aspects of these technologies. So uh, it's um, I, I would say that these differences uh, reflect a bit differences in, in general in the approach that uh, US and European Union you know, may have about the topic. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I mean, we can, uh, in in, uh, in terms instead of uh, global cooperation, we can try also to exploit the differences to enrich the dialogue between those realities and arrive to uh, some guidelines which could take into account all the pros and cons of both realities. And of course, we are talking right now about US and European Union, but uh, we should also talk about uh, uh, many other like uh, areas of the globe. I would say first uh, China, of course, for the uh, technology technological development, but of course India, Africa, and South America, where there is also a uh, like a, a, a much bigger density of, of population, and where some of these problems may arise in a way that European Union and US cannot even predict because they do not have those kind of situation on their territory. So. Uh, it's very interesting, in my opinion, to uh, go from a, let me say, local 
approach where you uh, know your peculiarities uh, and you, of course, act depending on those peculiarities to a global coordination approach in which you share those peculiarities. And uh, we try as a country, as a um, uh, geo geopolitical subject to arrive to, uh, let's say, broader conclusion and possibly broader and more valid solution, of course. Well, AI is definitely one of the top focus points of the EU as well. Through the Horizon Europe and Digital Europe programs, the Commission plans to invest 1 billion euros per year in AI. This will mobilize investments from the private sector and the member states in order to reach an annual investment volume of 20 billion euros over the course of the digital decade. Alessandro, can you think of any projects you worked on that were funded by the Horizon Europe and Digital Europe programs or by the EU in general? Uh, yes, uh, I mean, in a my previous uh, research uh, center, which is called Smart Data, uh, still in uh, Politecnico di Torino, um, there, there were like several financing, uh, uh, several funding uh, coming from the from the European uh, Union, uh, not only for mobility but for many other projects. So it's clear that there is a, uh, an attention, a financial attention to that. That's very clear. Um, I. Um, would also uh, it will be interesting to understand how those investments are actually geographically distributed across Europe uh, because I think this is one very 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 important point uh, to this extent I come from a reality which is the Italian one when uh, I think that innovation is always a bit uh, in delay in comparison with other uh, European countries so I think this is the moment when we are actually uh, receiving and being able to exploit uh, funding in a very productive way but this, uh, uh, as I told, it was a, for this specific case that has been slower for Italy uh, in time. Uh, so um, it's uh, it, it's really not trivial to uh, for me to give an opinion about the general uh, status of, uh, of funding. In, in particular, how much this funding is actually uh, converting into actual projects and how much of this is just like a uh, converting into maybe yeah well-presented projects and well-presented scenarios but maybe uh, not like actual solutions to problem okay so there is also this uh, this is i think it's a problem right now there uh, a lot of funding goes uh, more into marketing in the end than into building actual actual, actual solution and this is uh, um, i'm not talking about uh, particular european funding but uh, in general also private funding so i think we we need to be more concrete about the ai and uh, uh, use those money to actually face real world challenges instead of just uh, uh, trying to appear cooler by saying that we are using machine learning for some problem. Okay, sorry if I told it a bit uh, uh, direct, but I, I think that this is really, really, really uh, an issue. Thank you once again, Alessandro. And thanks everybody for your attention. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and listen to what we have to say because Europe is us. Lisboa, Bruxelles, Berlin, Varsava, Jantar.